Two Week Nose Podcast. What up, everyone? You are listening to the Two Week Notice Podcast. My name is Dana B. I am your host. Thank you so much for listening. Really appreciate it. I got a really fun one for you today. So today we have Philip Jameson. Philip is the guitarist. He also does keyboards and the synthesizer for the band Caspian. Caspian is uh, unlike any other band that you've ever heard or that I've ever heard. You're going to hear all about that, and I'm just going to cut to it. But first, we do have a sponsor. The two-week notice podcast is sponsored by Canvino. Canvino is bottle quality wine in a can. I am going to try some right now. Ah, Oh, yeah. Yeah, baby. Come on. That is definitely bottle quality wine and it's definitely in a can i like uh i like a red wine myself this is a cabernet sauvignon and uh it's fucking delicious i'm gonna take another sip hold on oh yeah that's the good stuff once again that is can vino you can find that at www.drinkcanvino.com again bottle quality wine in a can www.drinkcanvino.com. Let's get to this, Philip. You're the fucking man. And uh, I will say, we recorded this uh, back like mid March. And, you know, at the time, it's early May. So, listen, here's the deal, people. Quick, quick backstory, a little insider information. In March, April, and even, even now, I've been knocking out as many interviews as I can. For two reasons, right? One, uh, come June, I will be working the bar every single fucking day. And I do not have time. I won't have time. You know, the bar I work at is primarily a summer bar. And I just won't have the time to be to be doing all these interviews. Like, it's been slow the last couple months. So I've just been uh, trying to get, get people in while I can. And the other part is that along the same lines is... COVID related, right? All these people, especially musicians, they all have the time, like right now, to to do these remote chats. Like, do you think I would have got like uh fast forward, I don't know, six months from now? I highly doubt I would be able to get Chris Caraba from Dashboard Confessional to talk to like just sit down and talk to me for an hour, you know, even if it's remote. It's do you understand? So uh I've been trying to knock out all these interviews while I can. And for various reasons, they some get prioritized over others. And uh, the, this Philip one, it kind of got buried. He didn't have anything to promote urgently. And uh, I don't know, whatever. It doesn't matter. I'm just letting you know what's going on. But, you know, it, it's kind of weird because for a while I've, I was putting them out 
as I do them. And now I'm like, oh, shit, this was like two months ago. But anyway, doesn't matter. This was a really, really good conversation. Philip is a super intelligent human being. He's fucking brilliant, actually. Uh, so whatever, just enjoy it. All the music that you're hearing is from the band Caspian. And also, they just uh, put out tickets for a couple of shows. I believe they're in September, end of August, early September, uh, at the Sinclair in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Uh, by the time this comes out, even though it's like two days from now, uh, it'll probably be fucking sold out. But uh, just throwing it out there because maybe they won't be. All right. Love you all. Oh, I have to say, if you like what you hear, do me, do yourself a huge favor. Hit that subscribe button so you don't miss a single episode. Hit me with five stars and write me a review. That's incredibly helpful. All right. Thank you so much. Love you all. Two week dose podcast. We are recording. I have Philip Jameson from the band Caspian here. Thanks again, man, for doing this. This is awesome. Thanks for thanks for having me, dude. It's an honor. Back at you, dude. So um, I want to get into the music stuff in a little bit, but it, you know, so this podcast, it started out as like a travel log. Um, and I was in Europe by myself, like for like four months, just talking in my phone, like Bill Burr style and, you know, the pandemic hit and stuff. And it's just, kind of evolved into this interview thing which is nice so people don't just have to listen to me you know um and i've been getting a lot of people from bands so but, awesome. but you i'm i it's funny because i don't know you from that world i know you from from just being at the bar i don't know can i yeah. say the name of the bar i don't want to like say where you live oh actually, yeah, but... yeah no of course yes yeah, so it, the knock it dude I'm from Lynn, Massachusetts, which is just north of Boston. And Philip, you're from Beverly, which is a couple towns over. And uh, one of my best friends, he lives right next to this bar, the Lucky Dog. And he and I go there throwing, throwing darts all the time, or we did anyway, before everything shut down. And, and um, the, the bar, I hope you don't mind this, but the bar itself, it has a low ceiling in the first place. And you are yeah. the tallest man that I know. Like, you're, what are you, 6'10", dude? <laughs> Six, six, eight, like six, seven and a half, maybe. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, my, my buddy, Ryan, you've seen us at the bar. Um, yeah. He's, he's six, four, six, five, but you make him look short and, you know, I'm five, five. So like, I'm just looking up to you guys. I just remember like, you know, my buddy, Ryan, he's usually the tallest guy in the room. And then you walk in and your, your hair is like scraping the ceiling. And I'm like, <laughs> I looked at my buddy, Ryan, I was like, yo, you make, he makes you look short, bro. He goes, Oh, he goes, that guy's in the band Caspian. And I was like, really? And then whatever you and I started talking, I think I, we talked at like some after party one day or something. So when was the last time that you were down at the dog, man? Like, was it before all this? It was, I have not been to the lucky dog since the initial shutdown a year ago. So I would say, right. yeah, probably about this time last year. Yeah. But I, I, by that point, they had raised the ceiling in the back near the dartboard area, right? Just for you, probably. Well, just for me. <laughs> not the first person to make that joke. Yeah. Sure. Uh, yeah, I loved when they opened it up a little in the back. I don't get like claustrophobic or anything, but um, 
yeah, I'm always aware of, of ceiling distances between my head and, uh, and the roof. You know, I've had one too many knocks on, uh, doors and all that shit before. So yeah, man. Yeah. Good old dog. I'm supposed to go down there tomorrow. Actually, it's been a minute. So, so what, uh, over there. that's one of my favorite bars ever, you know, uh, old school, yeah. like the digital, the dark, the dish. Uh, I don't know if I've ever thrown darts with you. I don't know if you're a dart guy, but I'm obsessed with darts. Yeah. Uh, oh. I mean, I, I, I love, I love darts. I was on a, I was on a dart in a dart league out of the lefty dog for a while, maybe like eight or nine years ago. And it was fun. And I had a good time. Then we got to the playoffs and it came to the tiebreaker and I was playing all one against someone from like, I don't know, the Legion in Salem or something. And I, I lost. So I got us booted from the playoffs and I never played in the league again. Oh, you know? like, dude. Uh, it was it was traumatic to say the least, but oh man, yeah, yeah. that's brutal. Yeah, it was it was nasty, man. It was uh, it was a rude awakening. I didn't pick up a dart for like a year after that because I was so traumatized. Holy um, shit! Yeah, are but, you? Uh... Yeah, I got I got back on the horse. Yeah. Oh, that's good, but just not not as uh, competitive as before. Or... No, yeah, like I, I'm a super competitive person, whether I want to like you know admit it or not. And, some things you just got to kind of keep at arm's length um you can flirt with like a little competitiveness like with darts i i tried it out and i just got way too into it and of course when i lost when, when i lost that match for the team i just beat like the crap out of myself and uh, I, i'd rather just have it like have some beers and, and throw some darts and have a good time you know what i'm saying i do know what you're saying man uh speaking of beers you have a beer in front of you I don't actually. I ran out. Um, oh, jeez! Oh, I wish I could I give you one, dude. Uh, and today is March sixteenth. It's Stone Cold Steve Austin National Holiday. <laughs> Were you a wrestling fan? Not, not really. Um, I certainly didn't have anything against it. Cheers, by the way. I'll give you a virtual cheers, man. Virtual um, cheers, yeah. I didn't have anything like I thought wrestling was always really cool. And it was, I think I'd, I had a couple of friends that were really into it. And I really cracked the code when it, they sort of pulled the curtain back and was like, yo, this is all fake. And that's like kind of the, that's the point. No, but they're like, that's the point. Like it's all about, um, it's all about like following like the characters that these people are playing. And like, they have subtle interactions and like they have their own moves and stuff. And like, that actually made it even that much more alluring to me. I thought that was really exciting and cool. Um, but it just, yeah, I never, I never really chased it down, I guess, but I thought it was an interesting, an interesting little ecosphere of like the, of sports culture for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely entertainment, you know? Um, but yeah. you know, I, I recently have got into like these wrestling documentaries and um, they're like, we don't, we don't like the word fake. We like choreographed which kind of puts it in a better light because it, I mean, those guys are athletes, man. They get beat up more than the average NFL player, just as much at the very least. I mean, those guys, those guys all die young, man. And they all have the CTE and all that stuff. Like they're definitely athletes and, and they're beasts. I mean, they're, you know, like I always wanted to be a wrestler growing up and stuff, but you know, again, I'm I'm five, five. What am I going to do? You know (laughs) I mean? choreographed is a good way to put it because it is very much like watching a play or something you know there's so much drama and there's not i mean how much of their lines are there is it more or less all scripted like what they're saying and talking about or is it just sort of off the cuff right improv yeah 
I think it's a bit of both, but I, and it takes a certain talent to be able to just go on the mic. And that's why I like stone cold. I don't want to talk too much about wrestling, especially you're not even into it, but, but you know, like oh, someone, I think it's, I think it's super fascinating. I, I genuinely do. No, no bullshit. Like, he I was it's interesting. So. I mean, that guy was, you know, he was shredded. He wasn't the greatest athlete. He had bad knees and like he, he was, he was a mess, but he was so popular because he was so good on the mic. He was he mm-hmm. he knew how to get a, a you know a sold out Madison Square Garden on their feet every single person just hyped up and make people laugh and get people fired up and uh, that What's was the magic about? or uh, same like The Rock I mean he had that same ability you know so it's like they're like comedians but they're also like it's like a mix of like really good athletes and comedians at the same time in a lot of ways just straight up like entertainers. You know, exactly. um, they got to possess that entertainment value. And uh, yeah, I mean, I guess sort of related to wrestling. I mean, one of my favorite movies of all time, it just says really, I think I watch it once or twice a year since it came out 10 years ago is uh, Darren, Darren Aronofsky's The Wrestler with Mickey Rourke. Oh my God, dude, that movie's so good. It's, just, it's, it's, it's a fucking masterpiece. And it's, it really is. It hasn't not only does it not age i mean when it came out i remember loving it and just being knocked out um but i mean i loved it when it came out and every subsequent time i've watched it i just enjoy it more and more and more and more um it's it's like it's a rare perfect film um i agree everything of everything about it man mickey rourke's um perfect role for him perfect perfect yeah yeah um so yeah that that that's maybe the extent of like my knowledge of like the wrestling world and i know that it's 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 a motion picture of course but like yeah the way that that film captured nostalgia um and the way that it bled into just the whole culture in general especially from for someone from looking at it from the outside like myself like it's just a I could watch it right. I watched it like a month ago. I could watch it right now and be totally content. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you said that because, you know, you don't even need to know all the characters and stuff, whether from the nineties or current, I, I stopped watching it when I was like 15, my brothers, he still watches it. I mean, it's still this huge thing, but you know, whether you don't know that world at all, or you're obsessed with it, like someone like my brother, that movie, the wrestler with Mickey Rourke, I think, it perfectly portrays like that, that life, you know, it shows him like grinding, you know, he goes back and he starts working in the deli and like all that yeah. stuff. Um, and then he starts yeah. doing like those house shows again, he's doing all the, like, the drugs and I, it's all, it, it's, it's a very accurate um, uh, uh, portrayal of the life of someone who's been in that world. And it's an amazing parable for just creativity and just being an artist in general. I mean, you can smuggle just about any creative profession into that role and, and it works as you know, on a metaphorical level. I mean, it, it really is all about, and Aronofsky does this a lot in his films, which I love. I mean, Black Swan was like the apex of him discussing this, but like um, the commentary on just being completely consumed, ultimately consumed by the, by your, your art and your creative process and the thing that you're just sort of obsessed with um and how there's really just no there's there's no escaping it ever you know like you're just you're there like he he tried he you know he made amends with his daughter in the film and um yeah like he tried to get the job at the deli counter and stuff and he tried to just like do a bit more of like a normal thing 
he had a shot with Marissa Tomei's character, right, as like something that could have resembled like a bit of a, a normal substantial relationship but in the end like he just had to get back in the ring you know like there was no other place where he felt at home and he felt appreciated and he felt you could tell that that's where he truly felt like himself and once you once you find that place um i mean the goal of the goal of living is for everyone to find that that spot wherever it is whether you're a musician a wrestler a parent um you know a cop uh whatever it does it, 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 someone who works at the deli counter at like market basket it, it it makes no difference you want to find that place where you feel like you can truly be yourself and find some element of like self-expression and that movie was just such an awesome encapsulation to me of the control that that space can have over you as a person how it bleeds into your relationships um, and and just what it what it does to constructing a, a sense of self and the fact that he just at, at the end of that picture um, he found himself right back there uh, doing what he loved most against you know the doctor's wishes and against uh, you know Marissa Tomei's character's wishes and that last shot you know I, I've obviously watched it way too many times but no, I think the inference great. the inference was that he he died like where he's about to do the ram jam spoiler alert up. <laughs> yeah well that's just the great the great thing about the picture right is that it doesn't totally it doesn't totally give it away it's not right. like it, it doesn't it doesn't give you that that bookend um and it doesn't give you the title card at the end that says like randy the ram robinson passed away like the bullshit they're not interested in that right but that shot of him midair leaping onto uh the mat with his signature move that amazing score from clint mantle going like that's one of my favorite sequences ever i just ever captured it really is yeah it's the perfect distillation of 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 everything that i think i I care about and you know want to witness when i'm when i'm in front of a motion picture you know it's just uh damn dude it's cool that we got on the wrestler man i was no that (laughs) you you just worded that brilliantly and i never consciously um thought of it in the light that you just put it right on but i couldn't agree more and now i need like i'm I'm probably gonna watch that today or tomorrow i'm not even kidding when was the last time you watched it it's been three four years but when i first and and also i'm not a big movie guy but when i when i have a movie that grabs or i'm not a big tv guy uh, not to get too off track but for example like breaking bad but when, when mm-hmm. I saw Breaking Bad, I became obsessed and I binged the entire series in a couple of weeks and then I did it yeah. again. Like, like that's why, like, I can't do movies because I, if I get into it, I get like psycho into it. And right. I will say the the wrestler is one of those movies that really grabbed me. Um, yeah. And I definitely should watch it again, but I've seen it probably at least a dozen times, you know, because I watched it a few times in a row when I first saw it. You're definitely due for a viewing, bro. You're right. <laughs> You're right. You're right. You're um, right. So you are from Beverly or I actually did a, I did a little bit of homework. I mean, I kind of like to just, you know, talk like we are now spitballing kind of yeah, thing, yeah. but are yeah. you from Boxford originally? Yeah. So, well, I, I was born in Denver, uh, Colorado, where my parents met. They met at college out there. And when I was three, uh, my family moved out to Massachusetts and made their way to Boxford. So I, I grew up in Boxford. Um, 
for kindergarten through eighth grade for, you know, elementary school and junior high, I went to a school called Brookwood in Manchester by the sea, which is sort of a small little prep school. And uh, after that, I went to public school. So I went to Masconomit in Moscow. How old yeah, are you? Uh, I'm 41. So I graduated Masco in 97. So, um, dude, I went yeah. like I was born and raised in Lynn, but I went to Camp Rotary, which is in Boxford on Styles Pond. I went there for like 20 yeah, years. Like, oh, shit. Camp Rotary. Like I started there as a kid. I was I went there in 97 as like a camper and mm-hmm. I went there and then I, I was so in love with the place that, you know, I was a CIT, which is a counselor in training. And then I was I became a counselor. And I, I, I mean, I like that is um that place anything my parents didn't teach me like that place taught me you know my parents are yeah, great but it's just that place really is a part of who i am and always will be yeah summer camp is is huge i went i grew up going to a bunch myself and that was always the highlight of the summer and like you said you learn so much there about other people and yourself and yeah camp rotary man i mean i've driven by it I mean, thousands of thousands of times and I mean, yeah, we grew up going to Styles Pond, so yeah. you know, I'm sure that like they're right there, looking at all the snapping turtles, and then like yeah. ice cream cones and stuff. And, well, yeah. uh, Benson's ice cream—that's the best ice cream in the world. Untouchable, I, right? My, I un. It's the best ice no cream in the world. Rival. There's, there's no rival, man. It's there. not even close, dude. What's, what's your favorite Benson's flavor, dude? I just go Oreo all day. Oreo, yeah. Oreo. Right on. What about you? Yeah. I love there when they do the fresh native joints. So like they've got the um, last time I was there, uh, I got the, the native blueberry, which was next level. And usually my go to is like, is, yeah, their native strawberry. When that's in season, it's just like it's so simple, but it's just like Oreo, man. It's just such a dependable um, you can't go wrong with it. And when Benson's when they're picking those strawberries and they get those in there, man, I mean, it's, it's just next level. Um, yeah, Benson's is one of those like spread my ashes over Benson's when I die, along with like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like one of those. It's truly, truly holy ground, man. Uh, yeah, I, I wish I, I wish I could go more in the summers, but but it is still open, I, right? I haven't been there since I was oh, yeah, going no, to camp. Yeah, it's open for sure. Um, we would do Benson's sure. runs. We would do a Benson's run like once a week, and we would do a T Hop run <laughs> once a week. Topsfield House of Pizza. Yeah, man. Yeah, we're we're call we're we're calling from the same shit, dude. Yeah, straight up. Yeah, T yeah. Hop was every Thursday for us. Um, that's wild. Yeah, yeah. Uh, cool. not bad cool. for a Lynn kid, right? I know, I know some stuff. Yeah, yeah, man. That's <laughs> that, that's that is awesome. Really cool. Yeah, there's no one knows what T Hop is. That's T Hop, baby. Yeah, <laughs> bring it Classic. back. I love it. Yeah. Uh, so you moved to Beverly eventually. Is that correct? Yeah. So yeah. Um, yeah, so I grew up in Boxford, went to Masco, and then I went to uh, Gordon College in, in Hamilton, um, or Wenham, one of those two. And uh, that was 97 to 2001. Uh, at, at Gordon is when I really started to get into, really started to like hunt down music and, you know, join some bands and met all the kids that were playing playing instruments and jamming out with people and stuff like I didn't do a ton of that in high school high school I was definitely a bit more um I guess just kind of like I self-isolated in general like I started picking up the guitar when I was 14 or 15 but I didn't really want to join any bands or um 
I really didn't know what I wanted to do with it. But when I got to college, that's when I realized that like that was sort of my my crew. My scene was just other musicians and everyone running around just sort of incestuously playing uh, you know, music with each other and all kinds of different projects and um yeah, that really it really took hold for me right around then, around ninety seven, ninety eight. And uh Wenham Hamilton where Gordon is 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 North Shore. So I just sort of sat up there. You know, I lived in Gloucester for a while, lived in Salem, Marblehead. Um, and then I, I landed in Beverly, I guess, technically, probably in 2005. That's when I got my first apartment in Beverly. And uh, yeah, I've been, I've been there ever since. So it's cool, man. Beverly's like, it's not a metropolis, as you know, but it's not like, a, it's not the sticks. It's not out in the middle of nowhere. Um, great town. It's a, it's a great place to be. I'm I'm a small town guy in general. So like, I mean, I love cities and I love traveling. I mean, I'm, I'm traveling is one of my huge passions, um, which is something that, you know, with what we've been doing, I've been really lucky to do that. Yeah. And I love getting, I love getting out and about. Um, when we're on tour, we're always in cities, you know, like you never get to get out to the small town or you never get to get up to the mountains or what have you. You're just traipsing around you know, concrete jungle, wherever you may be. And that's great. And I love that. Um, but when you come home from doing that, um, I always kind of want to go to somewhere that's sort of like a middle ground between the two. Like, I don't want to go, I don't want to come home and like disappear into the woods. Uh, Cause <laughs> right. I think the whip, the whiplash from that would be a little extreme. But when I come home from tour, I don't really want to just be like plop back down into another city. Um, right. Right. I kind of want like a little bit of both. And Beverly has always just, you know, really satisfied that for me, which is, which is one of the many reasons why I've stuck around. And um, yeah, it, it's, it's always changing. That's for sure. I mean, Beverly is um, it's morphing and it's growing and it's definitely becoming, it's certainly not what it was in, in 2005, but there's a core element of, um, of that place that just always has, has, has started to occupy or has occupied a lot of my, my heart for, for a long time now. So it's, it's home for better, or for worse, you know, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a good place to be, man. It's a great town. And, you know, you can, you can hop on route 128 and be in Boston in a half hour without traffic, or you can shoot up to New Hampshire and whatever, 40, 45 minutes. Um, yep. But uh, the town uh, you mentioned it's now starting to evolve I, I think it's it's getting that overflow from Salem because Salem Massachusetts is that's you know I've been to 30 plus countries Salem might be my favorite city in the world man like it is very right, dude, it, I, I, I'm I biased that, man. Well, it, you know, it, it. it's it's the coolest city dude there's no place like it no place Salem like it Salem is fucking awesome. And you're right, man. There is truly nowhere like Salem. You, you got that right, dude. Yeah. Well, also my birthday's Halloween. So like I'm extra biased because oh, yeah. I grew up in Lynn, which is right next to Salem. And, uh, you know, it's the Halloween like capital of the world or whatever. But regardless of that, it is it is um, a very special place. And, you know, I have a yeah. I have a condo in Salem. I'm renting it out just because why not? You know, mm-hmm. um, but I, I started renting it out so I could travel. And this was like, right. Uh, this was 2019. I had long story short, I had this like corporate job. Uh, I was working for Panera bread, like including the one in Beverly, like North Beverly or whatever. 
And I did that for like eight years, dude. I was making really good money, but I was just like miserable. So I saved up and I rented out that condo and I just went to Europe and open-ended trip. I took a, I took a boat from New York to Rome, Italy. And I didn't know if I was going to be there for a month or what, and turned into like four months. And I just, you know, and then I came back. Sorry, go ahead. You took a boat? Yeah. I I took a, a, instead of flying there, which is what most people do, right? You fly to like Dublin or London or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Someone was like, you know, you could take, there are like these things called repositioning cruises or one-way cruises where a cruise ship will have to reposition itself. So it was some ship that was maybe going from New York to Bermuda and back for a while. And and then it's going to go, this particular ship that I took, it had to reposition itself to, to go to the Greek islands. And it just started making like a, you know, one week trip around the Greek islands. But there is this one, you know, period of time where it needs to move itself and they're a fucking greedy corporation. So they're going to maximize that profit makes sense. So, mm-hmm. you know, I just hopped on that dude. And, but it was really cool. Like so sick. it was two weeks. I love it. I had like the, the drink package and, uh, and the food package and all that stuff. And it was seven days just to get across the Atlantic Ocean. And then our first stop, bro, was uh, the Azores, Portugal. I don't know if you've, the islands. Yeah. It's like a, yeah. That, I mean, that, that was my, so the, awesome. the first time I stepped foot on European land was in the Azores. And I mean, that set the bar pretty high. That's still the most beautiful land I've ever seen in my life. You know, they're still no, living I, in the I 1950s, it, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, it hit like um, mainland, like Lisbon and then, um, you know, it went into the Mediterranean. So it hit, you know, like Spain and France and uh, it ended in Rome. And then from there, I just got off the boat. But by the time the trip ended, I had made so many friends because I spent two weeks on this boat. So I met a couple of people who were kind of doing the same thing as me. I met this dude who was moving from Chicago to Istanbul, Turkey. And I hung out with him in Rome for like a week. And he was like, I'm moving to Istanbul. Um, If you ever want to come by, hit me up. I'll show you around. Two months later, after I was did my own thing. I was just like, Hey buddy, you, can I come to Istanbul? You want to hang out? And I hung out with him for a week in Istanbul. Like it was, I still think about that trip every day. It was the coolest thing. That's the, the, the beauty of travel, man. I mean, yeah. There really is nothing. There really is nothing like it at all. And that's, that's, that is awesome, dude. I, I, I don't know why I've never put two and two together and thought about the repositioning cruise thing. Um, but that's genius. That's, that's wow. It's way more be, fun than flying. Oh right? my god! I mean, one of my, I've I've flown I've flown to Europe like, um, I don't know, like over forty times now, easily. So like, that's a and lot. It's great. I, I, yeah, I mean, I, I it's been a lot. I mean, wow. I, I lost count. I lost count a long time ago, and like, I love it over there. It's great, but my dream is to is to take a boat. I mean, I want to, I want to do like this. And I don't want, I don't want it to be like a fucking like carnival cruise or something. You know, I want it to be like, I don't know, something like that. That's a little bit different. No, was the boat, was it packed? Was it full or was it like just staff and then some stragglers or what? So say what you want about, and here's the thing. I totally understand and respect, you know, how people view cruising and cruises, you know, it's like fucking, it's so it's like a big, it's a lot of bullshit and stuff. But it was it's Norwegian Cruise Line, which is similar to Carnival. It's not much different. But dude, it was it wasn't sold out, but it was close. I mean, it was full. 
Um, but it was, a you know, it was a lot of old people, but also we, I had, you know, I was 33 at the time. I'm 35. Now we, we had a good crew. Like I was up in the dance club every night, dude. And you know, I, I met ladies, I met people like it was, a, it was oh, yeah. the best time of my life, dude. Honestly, it was, I really, I, I, I don't, I definitely, yeah. I don't mean to throw shade at like cruises at all. Um, like, like, or, you know, carnival Norwegian, whatever. I think, I mean, that, that's tight. I mean, I have this little like hoity toity silly ass like version of like doing like the Titanic or something like the queen Anne or whatever they call those queen like, Mary queen Mary. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, that's great, dude. Um, was it how like what was it like price wise? Was it I mean way more expensive than flying or like same so, ballpark or what? So I splurged on a balcony room, uh-huh. as opposed to like because if you get an inside room, I mean it. There's no windows. You're in this tiny little room. I so think I, that's what I would be freaked out of on a cruise. Yeah, yeah. So it's I splurged. The middle room. I splurged on a balcony room because I'm like, if I'm going to be at sea for seven days straight, I want a balcony. Plus, I had just quit my corporate job. I'm like, I worked hard for this fucking money. I'm going to I'm going to enjoy this, not knowing that how much I was going to spend across, you know, the next four months. But (laughs) but um, I I think it was like three grand. All right. But that was two weeks. Um, And Mm -hmm. also that was based on single occupancy. I was by myself. You know, I mean, there's like that like usually rooms are are priced based on double occupancy. So if you go with someone, which most people do, then, you know, that it would have cost that same price for two people, you know, it would have been three grand total. So I got a pretty good deal. And I actually, I actually just booked another similar cruise, dude. I was going to wait to get into this, but let's just do it. So I booked a cruise and try not to get too excited, but it's out of Seattle. It's a one-way cruise to Tokyo, Japan, but it hits it hits Alaska on the way. Wow! So that's this October. Now I got that for sixteen hundred bucks, and that includes unlimited drinks. Sixteen hundred unlimited, and this is a sixteen-day cruise. Unlimited drinks, unlimited food, like all that's included. I, I even Barely. have like internet and stuff. Now I will say, um, I did have like a hookup. And my previous cruise, um, you know, money that I've spent has helped. So I got like a really good deal, but, you know, less than two grand. And, you know, that's, we're, true. that's dream stuff, man. That's but where, that is, where that's they awesome. get you, though, what, like for Alaska, you know, they do excursions and stuff. And oftentimes when I get off the boat, I'll just go like if, if we stop in Lisbon, Portugal, I don't I'm not going to pay for an excursion. I'm going to go explore that place myself and find some cool shit. But like Alaska, you know, if I want to get up to the top of this glacier, I would have to, you know, probably like pay for a, you know, a, an excursion and get on one of those bus tours and that can end up. So sometimes it will end up costing more money, but um, I know that the band Caspian has been to Japan, correct? Yeah. So yeah, you've we, been to, so I, I was going to wait till like the end. Cause I usually, I always want to talk about traveling, but we're here now. Like, Oh yeah, dude, let's hit it, man. Like, tell, I, I want to know about Japan. We'll talk about your band in a bit, but yeah, I want to, I want to know, tell me about like Japan. Cause I don't oh, know what to just, expect. We can just talk about traveling the whole time. I'm let's do it. Um, uh, so you've never been to it. Never. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I always get asked obviously like, where's my favorite place that I've ever traveled to and yada, yada. And it's, 
it was always really hard for me to come up with an answer because I've been to so many great places and, you know, there's something about everywhere that I can pick out that I like. Um, but yeah, somehow, some way, uh, Japan, which we went to for the uh, second time, December of 2019. So weird. I keep it in my head, a little sidebar here. Like right now it's March, 2021. And when I think of December, I say, well, yeah, we went to Japan last December. It feels like December 2020. Because you know this I mean? whole year has been a fucking, like, a, it's a wash. It's a blur. It's, yeah. It's I don't know, totally whatever just, it is. It just <laughs> hit me. It, it really actually just hit me right now saying that. Yeah. Like, how fucking long this has been. Just doing, this is, that's so bizarre. Yeah. Yeah, um, bizarre is a good word. Wow. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, right. December of December of 2019, we were last there. And, um, you know, I think there's some, I mean, I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a bit of like an OCD kind of neat freak person in general, um, for better or for worse. And Japan is just super, everything is so unbelievably clean and well-ordered. Um, like you drive by a construction site in Tokyo and it, it's like, looks nicer than like, you know, the downtown of most cities. Like it's just, everything is like, everything's w very well put together and well assembled. Everything's really clean. Everything's really manageable. Um, uh, you know, the, the culture over there is, is incredible. Um, there's people from all over the place and everyone's kind of just doing their own disparate things, but they're doing it in a way that is really fascinatingly harmonious. Um, the people, I, I mean, the Japanese people are, they, they're very well mannered. Um, they're very polite. And some people think that they're fairly standoffish, but I, I've never gotten that vibe there from a single person I've ever met in Japan. Um, for example, like me, you know, I'm, like we said earlier, I'm six foot seven. Uh, so if I'm walking around most places, I mean, you're going to get, especially in most parts of Asia. Um, they're my size. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're, <laughs> they're shorter. Yeah. You know? And like they're, they're, I'll get mobbed by people and, you know, you'll have people just like crawling up your back and stuff. Um, <laughs> Literally, dude. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like what? Yeah, there are some places in China where people just like be, well, I mean, you're a tall, giant white boy with a beard and it's just like, what the fuck is this? Like, they've never seen anyone like of like with a cut of this jib in their life, right? And it's like, what the hell? You're um, like majestic to them. You no, know, it's just, it's, it's, yeah, it's definitely just this strange, like, um, you know, people are just like, what's going on here? It'd be like us, I don't know, seeing like Bigfoot or something. <laughs> be like, Dude, you're a very woman. tall man. You're a beautiful yeah, man. Right, you know, right. Don't get me wrong. You know, it's, it's like, I mean, look, I, I, I'll definitely talk to anyone and be like, oh yeah, I'm six foot seven and this, that, like, I, it doesn't really bother me that much at all. Um, I dig it. Uh, but sometimes you want to just sort of like, you want to disappear into the crowd you know what i mean like that's where i feel sort of at my most comfortable it's where i can just sort of ameliorate into my surroundings and just sort of do what i want to do and like focus on what i want to focus on and whatever and in japan like not a single person has ever you know gawked at me over there or come up and just like you know wants to take a photo or anything like everyone had kind of has their head down and they're doing what they're doing their own thing 
uh, they're not rude about anything at all. I mean, if you engage someone, I find them to be incredibly friendly and nice and positive. Now, is um, that like Tokyo specifically or the city specifically? No, well, or So I've never, I've only been to Tokyo. Um, I've never okay. traveled outside of Tokyo. I, now, I would love to see the entire country. Uh, right. Goes without saying. Uh, it sounds like it has like almost like a New York yeah. City vibe. Like, get out of my way. I don't care about you. Do my own thing. You know, well, which is no, good. Thing. It, yeah, it, it's not. It, it's as busy and boisterous. Well, I, here's the thing. It's definitely, in terms of like population density and the concentration of people, it's a lot like New York or London. Um, but it, it's not as nearly, I, I don't find it nearly as boisterous, you know, like it's just not a cacophonous city. There's not people slamming on horns. There's not people screaming in the streets. There's not people just like elbowing you as they're trying to like get to the bus or whatever. Um <laughs> It's just very, people are just very well-mannered and it's very well-ordered. I think a lot of it, um, I'm certainly no scholar on the, on, on the issue. I'd love to learn a lot more about it. Um, but I think a lot of it just has to do with like the Bushido culture that preceded it in Japan. I mean, like um, honor and respect is just very central to um, their conceptualization of themselves and, and, and others. And uh, I think it, it's just sort of manifests itself in tons of ways now over there but i think one of the main ways is just people have a certain yeah a certain respect and dignity for the other that is it's kind of hard to find in some other places and it's they don't lay it on thick um it's not like this super you know aggressive attempt to respect people um they just kind of do their own thing but it's also not like this closed off shell of isolated herded people like with their heads down just in their own world focusing on themselves, they seem to have a really uh, sophisticated um, understanding of of their surroundings and how they're uh, how they involve themselves in it and in, are enmeshed in what's going on and everything around them. So sounds uh, perfect, I mean, to be honest. It, it's great, man. You really can kind of disappear in a crowd there, I guess. To make a long story short, um, how many times have you been there? I've only been twice. Um, the first time we went was twenty. Uh, 15 i think 2014 or 2015 and i just loved it immediately um, that was with that the band back. right that was with the band yeah how yeah. long were you there that time uh the first time we played two shows in tokyo and we were there for four days um so we had like a proper day off and we could explore stuff and then nice. we had a show on one day and then a show on another uh and the last time we were there we were there for three days so we had you know arrival day and then we had a show day then we had a day off and then we left the next day. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, and here's the thing, you know, the people are, if you don't know them and you're just sort of milling about, like I said, you know, you can disappear into a crowd. But everyone that I've ever in, engaged or anyone that I've ever uh, spoken to or had like a conversation with, whether it be someone at a show, someone at a restaurant, in a bar, um, anyone that you get talking to, they're just so incredibly kind and, and friendly and welcoming and warm. And, um, I love that. Yeah. It's, it's very rare to have the intersection of the two, you know, I mean, there's places right. like, um, Oh, there's places like, like, like Poland, I guess comes to mind immediately where God, I mean, I, I love Poland. It's incredible. People I've been to Gdania. So friendly there. I don't know. Yeah, if, okay. It's, yeah, it's a yeah, port yeah. town. Oh yeah. 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 yeah we played there before. Um, Sick. 
Wait, I, I gotta ask super, real quick. I'm sorry. Yeah, I do want. I, yeah, I want to yeah, hear yeah. about Poland, but I do have. Just this is for my own travel sake. How how was it? Because do you speak Japanese? I assume you don't. Maybe you know some stuff now. No. So was Not it okay? Really, like no. was it easy to like just go there and do your own thing? Like pretend you're me. You're gonna be by yourself. With do, do you think the language barrier would be an issue? That's another interesting element about Japan. That again, I, I mean, I'd love to. Um, try and explain it succinctly but so people do not speak english very well there at all um there's a reason for that and i can't remember exactly what it is it doesn't have to do with world war ii or anything um i can't remember why it's totally it's totally missing in my head right now but there is people, a specific people don't people yeah there, there's a really good reason actually why but i, I just can't remember um but yeah, people don't really speak English there very well at all. So you already have that barrier where when you're talking with people or you're interacting with people, things are much more gestural, you know? Um, body language. But yeah, much more body language oriented. And you're forced, you, you'll notice this obviously, is that you're forced to read people's faces more when you can't, if there's a language barrier, and a hard language barrier. I mean, you know, you travel most places and most people can speak, you know, certainly enough English to get by and yeah. to give you directions to get somewhere. Right. Uh, Japan, most people in Japan, there's not even, at least the people that I met, there's not even enough really like English connection to get you to like where the nearest subway station is. So Shit. you have to rely, oh, but it's fascinating because when that barrier is up, you're forced to rely on, like I said, gestural mannerisms. And also you really end up like interrogating people's faces and, and like their facial language. Um, and I don't mean like, like Larry David, like creepy, like, <laughs> <laughs> like not that. I love Larry David. Of, he's the best. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. he's the best. He knows the little <laughs> eye that he gives people. It's not like that kind of <laughs> interrogation. Yeah. Um, yeah, I find that you just really end up getting lost in in people's eyes, and uh, it's it's really neat. It's, it's yeah, it it's sounds very, beautiful uh, in a way. It's a bit it's a bit novel, yeah. Um, but you also have to trust we, your gut, obviously, just like yeah, anything oh, else, yeah, right? Yeah, I, absolutely. And it comes you you're always taking gut checks and stuff all the time, and of course, you sort of you you recenter on that, which is which is good. Any anything that kind of reinforces that, I think, is a good thing. Right. Um, of course. Of course. But yeah, yeah. So the you just in the practical terms of like wanting to get somewhere and asking someone for directions. Yeah, it's definitely a lot harder in in Tokyo um, than somewhere like you know Gdynia in Poland or in Rome or um, uh, even parts of China. I found that people can speak English uh, certainly a bunch better. Um, you started to talk about Poland, though. Uh, what were you going to say about that? Well, no, I mean, I was just referencing it in terms of like um, uh, people, like everyone. Every to me, every time I've been to Poland, which is I don't know, like eight or nine times, um, you know, people in uh, at the shows, you know, people at bars, people at the restaurant, people at uh, in the street are just super friendly. Everyone's so nice. Um, and they're really like forwardly so. I don't want to say aggressively so, um, but they're very like, people are just very friendly there. Um, they're very like welcoming, so you know what you're going to get. Um, and then in somewhere like Japan, 
it's not as immediately, they don't deliver it on a silver platter, like immediately, like somewhere like you would in Poland in terms of like the friendliness and laying it on thick. But then once you talk to someone a little bit, then it then is kind of when it comes out. You know what I mean? Yeah, so they open up. Like the, the, yeah, they open up. It's sort of like the, it's a bit, like maybe it's a bit more like Massachusetts style. You know what I mean? I think a lot of people come into Massachusetts or they come to Boston from out of town and they're just like, what the fuck is wrong with people here? <laughs> But it's like, you know, once you get to know someone here, it's like, oh, yeah, that's that's a good person. Like, I'm so happy to be from here. Oh, me too. I love it. I mean, I think what did I hear? It's like um, people in Massachusetts, like, aren't nice, but they're friendly. And like people on the West Coast, like, aren't friendly, but they're nice or something. Or maybe it was mixed up. Like, I can't remember. That sounds about right. And and even to, I mean, even to take myself out of the bias of Boston and north shore specifically if you zoom out just like east coast even new yorkers people are just real like that's what i love about the east or the northeast even like philly people are just you know if they don't like you they're gonna tell you straight up go fuck yourself fuck off like i don't want to talk to you right and how do you not respect that okay cool you move totally does that make sense if i've it makes it makes total sense i mean if i've learned anything about traveling like the big the giant takeaway from like just doing this and going to all so many amazing places that like, I mean, people are people everywhere. So like in every city I've been, there's like off-putting people who are just super fucking rude. And then you get to know them and they're nice. And then I've been places where people are just super fucking nice. And then you get to know them and like, they really don't give a shit. Right. I've met all shapes of and sizes in every city. It's not like there's just like one kind of person in one place, like East coast people are, you know, cool. And West coast people are fake. Like, I mean, I met fake people out here and I've met fake people fucking everywhere and genuine people everywhere. Like people are people like human beings, you know, homo sapiens, like we're a species Hi, That's yeah. to me. Like that's kind of my takeaway from traveling. That said, yeah, there there is like a seemingly like this concentrated element of like of just realness on the East Coast that like I think I a lot of it's like the we're, weather. We're biased to yeah. The, I, oh, the, for sure, yeah. right? Like the way you know, like I don't know, it has to have something to do with it. But it I couldn't, does. yeah, I couldn't agree more with you. You know, but everyone's just like I don't know, just in their own world trying to do their own thing. And yeah. generally speaking, most people like outside of the Northeast. America, just everywhere. Most people are really good people. Most people. Um, and I learned that too in my travels, man. But uh, I, I would also add to what you said, like, not only um, of all places, but like geographically, but even in any job or any industry, whether it's in the music scene or, you know, when I was working for fucking Panera Bread or whatever, there's good, really good people. And then there's people who would fucking slit your throat to get to the yeah. next level you know like it's yeah. just you gotta and there's people like that there's people like that in the music industry you know exactly people like that there's people like that uh in the art world there's it's everywhere like that uh, everywhere yeah there's people exactly. who are out for just purely like self-interest um and some people are veiled about it and some people aren't and then there's people who are you know actually not and are and are trying to um you know, figure out, figure out something collectively here with other people and trying to be a good person in return. And yeah, man. yeah that's, uh, yeah, that, that's, that's not exclusive. Granted. Yeah. There's, there's, I guess there, you could argue there's more of those people on wall street for sure than there are in the music industry. 
right. or you know totally. whatever, but they they do exist everywhere. You know what Absolutely. I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I couldn't I'm agree sure more. There's like, I'm sure there's like just self-interested, self-obsessed monks somewhere out there too. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like those. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, hundred you know, percent. No, you're right. That was no. perfect, perfect. Uh, yeah. But um, so when I was in Poland, so I told you about that uh, cruise I took from New York to Rome, and then I mm -hmm. spent four months in Europe. I actually I enjoyed my time so much. I ended up taking a couple other cruises while I was over there. One oh. of them was a cruise up the Baltic Sea. So it. when I went to Poland, and I was, I think you said it. I, I called it Gdania. I don't even know if that. How do you say it? Uh, I had the Gdynia, okay, maybe. I was yeah. there. <laughs> yeah. So I was in Gdynia, Poland. But, you know, yeah. the the cruises are awesome. Like I said, if you do it right, I love the way I do it. Um, but some of those, like I went to 27 countries on that trip. But some of those, yeah, I was in Poland for eight hours and I was only in that one port town. But when I was in Gdynia, it happened to be this really cool day. There was this like, it's one of the biggest days. It's basically their version of the Boston Marathon. There was like this huge triathlon happening, right? At, like you, I walked off the ship and like the streets were blocked off with those metal barricades, you know, the same that like security for barricades for a concert because people were riding by on bikes and I walked all the way to the beach and that's where the end of the triathlon was. There was this really cool aquarium there. The town was bumping that day, man. There were bands playing. There was a lot going on. And what I noticed, um, I agree with you as far as the people being super like friendly, but not overly friendly. But if I was like, hey, um, where is this? They would be like, oh, just go right over there. You know, they were super helpful. Mm -hmm. But the one thing I noticed more than any place I've been outside of the United States, it felt like every other person had a band shirt on whether it was Metallica oh, yeah. or ACDC yeah. or Coheed and Cambria or Taking Back Sunday, like of all genre, like, like everyone, it, everyone had band shirts on, which, Crazy. so I immediately, like I, I get off the boat and there's this like really cool atmosphere. It's a big party basically with the triathlon. And then all these people uh, see someone with a Coheed and Cambria shirt on. And I was like, I could live here maybe like this is fucking cool. I don't speak the language. I have no idea. Beautiful women everywhere that helps, but um. Yeah. But speaking of Coheed and Cambria, I got to bring it up. You guys, Caspian, you, you toured with them, correct? No, we didn't tour with Coheed. Um, we 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 did a our, we did a tour with Underoath, maybe. Underoath. Oh, my um, bad, dude. Yeah, no, no, it's cool. Um, Coheed, we almost did. We've been actually with that band. We've been close like twice, where it was like right on the edge, um, and I can't remember. I think we just, I think we had other, an, other tour going on or something. Um, but that's one of those tours that I feel like is going to happen at some point for sure. Um, yeah. We've just been like circling around each other too much. Um, like a lot of uh, over, like the Venn diagram. Yep. Yes, exactly. Yeah, there's, there's a lot it, of overlap. Exactly. Yeah. I just think the timing hasn't worked out um, somehow, but I, I feel pretty confident about that happening at some point. Yeah, it, it yeah. makes sense in my head. Maybe that's why I thought it happened. Um, now, so you're you're the same age as the piebald guys. Um, did you did you ever see those guys growing up? I I I never did. Um, I didn't really. I actually didn't like piebald. Didn't really map onto me until well, they really took hold. Our first European tour that we ever did in 2008. Um, 
we what's the record that um american heart is on? we are the only uh, uh, we are the only friends we have right yeah yep um we listened to that record like no bullshit every single day for like three hours a day for months you guys seriously yeah yeah while you were on tour it was our first tour in europe no way wonder yeah we had this wonderful driver um named lisa who we're all still really good friends with uh who was from berlin and it was us our friend ira was doing merch um and you know been to europe before but never on tour and I mean, it was just, you know, it was one of those best months ever. And that ended up being our soundtrack. Like, we just, for some reason, like, we just played it all fucking day. I mean, like, the whole record. And, that um, makes, dude, I got, like, goosebumps. Over and over and over. That makes yeah. my heart happy. It was so, it was, like. It's the perfect record. Oh, uh, uh, it's perfect. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a perfect, the perfect record. Perfect record. Yeah. It, yeah. it might be my favorite album of all time. And I think um, I probably told you this at some after party while we were like wasted after you know throwing darts at the lucky dog or whatever but essentially yeah. um you know i was just their biggest fan yeah. and then i i started playing the cowbell on the song the stalker which is on that record yeah, yeah. um which is ironic awesome. because it's called the stalker so i started stalking them basically <laughs> <laughs> but they're like all right well we like you. Why don't you sell our merch? You know? Oh, that's yeah, so I, right. Yeah, so I, I started selling. Yeah. yeah. So I started selling their merch. And then, you know, Piebald doesn't tour as much as a band like Caspian or other bands because they all have their own lives and stuff. But, you know, it's just like a, a celebration kind of like week long, week here, week there, festival here, festival there. So mm-hmm. I went to Europe and I came back right after I quit this job. And a month later, this tour was announced that piebald's opening up for dashboard confessional oh, which wow. piebald has never had a tour that big uh, they've had some big tours but you know not like like that was a big deal and it was dashboard's 20 year anniversary and they were like hey um we want you to be tour manager and i was like yes like you know what i mean it's a dream come true for me man like dream come true literally yeah. i mean my dream was just to be a merch guy not even for piebald for uh, any band i would have been happy to do that and i got that from my favorite band and then it turned into tour manager and, oh that's uh, amazing man that's so sick it's, oh, it's yeah. the coolest thing that's ever happened to me and and then i came mm-hmm. back like we finished that tour and i was like all right this is really good for my resume and I think I was trying, I was probably trying to put plant the seed in your head. I was like, Hey man, if you guys ever need a merch guy, tour manager, let me know, bro. I remember. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because I, I, I always just wanted to get into this world, you know, I'm good at managing and stuff, but uh, I wanted Great. to co- I, what a, combine what an amazing way to, what an amazing gig to get, you know, like with eyeball. That's, that's so great, dude. It was meant, it was meant to be, you know, it was written, dude but I've never been a musician, you know, but I always was that kid going, I've been to thousands of shows. I've always, whether it was the Salem Elks club or the local VFW hall, you know, or, or just going down to Avalon and Axis as much as I can, whatever it was, you know? Right. So yeah, it, it was a dream come true, but, um, fuck man. Sorry. There, I, there, I don't even know how I got no, into like, that. No, the pilot, like, Piebald's, um, yeah, they didn't, well, I, I, they didn't really like map onto me. So like, yeah, 2008, I remember a bunch of my friends were really into them and I thought it sounded cool, but it never really like 
got me by the balls, you know what I mean? Um, until that tour. And then since then, like, yeah, I've just been like a diehard Piebald fan. I love that band. Everyone, um, in, everyone, everyone in our band loves Piebald. Dude, you know, like, like, that's the thing. We can like, all they, agree on that. Yeah. They never, uh, geez, this is not supposed what to be a Piebald podcast, but, but like, they never got their due. Like, they're the best band ever and the best dudes ever. But that song, American Hearts, that is the yeah, perfect it song. Does. It should be, and it's more relevant now than it ever was. It ages like a Absolutely. fine line. And totally. It, like it it should they should have made a million dollars off of that alone but whatever totally yeah i mean that song is a, that talk about an anthem i mean that's like yeah that's it man i and they're north and weren't they north andover guys or something andover. Or yep. like yep andover, andover right yep. Yeah, that's why cool. i was like you're you're from boxford that's why I, that's why i was trying to ask like if you caught yeah, them no my my ex-girlfriend was from uh haverhill um, no, North Andover, Haverhill, something like that. Close enough. Um, and she, yeah, she was a huge fan and knew all those guys. Um, and yeah, always said that they were like the, the sweetest dudes and like the best. They would put, they would put on like what was it like some holiday show every year? Yeah, Andover Town Hall with like yes. Cave In right, right. and yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. a bunch of other bands and um, the best times, man. That's you uh, know, I love that. I love it. I love it. I got the gig. I literally showed up uh, to their reunion um, thing in 2016 on the West Coast. Having been Facebook friends with a couple of them, yeah. uh, I showed up. I flew out from Boston, Logan to LAX, and I showed up with a cowbell and some beers to their sound check, <laughs> pretty much, dude. And they made me try. They were like, I was like, I'm here to play the cowbell. And they they made me try out. We were play, uh, touring with the band Limbeck. I don't know if you know them, but yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, whatever it turned into what it was like. But imagine is, if I showed up, I uh, if I showed up at like a Weezer fucking gig or even one of your gigs. And I was like, hey, man, I'm, play, I'm here to play the fucking cowbell. You'd be like, uh get out of here you weirdo <laughs> you know with us we, no we'd, we'd we'd definitely let you play cowbell man yeah like i might hold you to that be careful yeah <laughs> well we gotta start we gotta start playing sycamore again you know what i mean with like the big drum finale and everything and then like yeah we, we definitely need some cowbell up in that part you know what i mean all right for sure well, so. we'll, we'll talk more about that offline all right there we go yeah we go. <laughs> if we ever play shows ever again you know what i mean so. we will we definitely will yeah, yeah. have you seen the furnace fest lineup yeah oh jeez, man highballs like... on that one um i've never had more people hit me up about a festival like people from boston have been texting me saying hey dude i got my um i saw pieball was on furnace fest i just bought my tickets yeah. like i'll see you there it's getting a lot of buzz, dude. But a lot before, of buzz. But before yeah. the pandemic, none of those people, I'm happy, I don't mean this in a bad way, but none of those people would have flown out to Montgomery, Alabama for a festival yeah. like this because we had Boston Calling. We had yeah. uh, we had concerts. We had other things going on. So um, I just think it, it really speaks to how much people really want music and festivals and, and just some sense of normalcy again. You the appetite I mean? the appetite is certainly there and yeah people have missed it i think more than they ever could have really imagined you know you don't know what you got till it's gone obviously and like the, i think con go. concert concerts are one of the premier examples of that um 
So true. Without, without a doubt. We, we look, we all, you and I, everyone, like we all love going to gigs. We know how much, um, you know, we enjoyed that and they've been a part of our life, but, um, yeah, this really, this really drilled down on like just how meaningful they are. And, and just, of course you love seeing your favorite bands and you love seeing dudes kill it and all that. I mean, that's huge. Um, but just the social element of like, especially a festival where you know that, you know, your tribe, so to speak, is going to be there. Um, people have been, have been missing that, you know, for, for good reason. It's, it's an essential part of the fabric here that like makes the whole thing go around. And um, yeah, I, I, I looking forward, man, that, that's going to, that's, that's going to be great. And I think that, I think that um, I, I feel optimistic. I, I feel like things are, I don't know, maybe, I know I shouldn't be optimistic about anything at this point and should really like hope for the best and expect the worst. But like, I just, I feel like we're getting closer to that. I'm starting to feel like, you know, starting to feel certainly a lot better about where we're at now than obviously where we were a year ago or even six months ago. So it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. You know, I like what you said there. And, you know, I'm going back to, you know, like I was born in 1985 I can remember as early as like, you know, early to mid nineties, my mom always taught me, Dana, hope for the best, but expect the worst, you know, yeah, and that's not a, that our whole lives. Yeah. It's not a pessimistic point of view. It's just a realistic point. No, of no. View. Yeah. It's, 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 it's absolutely, it's, it's realism. And we've been told that our whole lives and I'm sure we've deployed it when we've needed to at the right moments. But I mean, the last year has been, nothing but a sustained lesson in that for a year it's all it's been you know no matter what it's been shows concerts seeing friends you know being able to go to the bar being able to do whatever it is that you like doing it's been all about just hammering down that message like you really gotta you know it's not false optimism and it's not complete fatalism it's somewhere in between where it's you know that's just part of being a human being i guess you know is uh is learning how to, to to balance those two properly and we've uh we've been through some shit honestly i thought you were a lot younger than you are like i thought you were closer to my age did you say you're 41 yeah i'm 41 man yeah you don't look it so good good for you i i, I smoke like a chimney so i'll take that as a compliment then man Dude, you do not right like, i thought i thought you were maybe a couple of years older than me like i said i'm 35 but but what I was going to uh, say about that, like we're, we're either way, we're close in age, close enough, yeah, yeah. You know, whatever, for, six years oh, apart. For, we're in the same wheelhouse for sure. Same wheelhouse, yeah. like similar generation. Um, but, you know, once this uh, whole pandemic thing occurred, I was talking to my dad about it. You know, he's a, he's a boomer. He was born in 1954. And he's just like, you, you kids talking about like me and my brother. He's like, you kids have seen, I can't believe like, like, you know, like for example, my parents all like the biggest thing that happened in, in their uh, generation was the JFK assassination. Mm-hmm. Right. They're like, that was the biggest thing aside from that. Like, all right, let's fast forward to you and I growing up. I'll never forget watching the OJ chase. I will never forget that. And I was maybe oh, seven, eight oh. years old at the time, but I was like, I watched that happen. And that was a trial of the century. That was, that was, that was insane. Uh, 
9-11, obviously, I mean, that was fucking fucked. It was just ridiculous. The Boston bombing, um, there's this whole pandemic. Uh, I don't know. That's just to name a few, but I don't know. I guess yeah, I don't know where I was going with that, but no, I mean, well, no, it's, 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 there's, there's a lot going on there. Yeah, man. Um, you know, we're also at a, a point in our culture where we certainly have, I mean, uh, you know, news media and stuff is just so readily accessible to us now. And it's been on an incline for a while. Um, so like the OJ, um, chase and trial and all that stuff just to use that as like maybe i guess a starting point um yeah i mean that was people were watching that live, like a live feed of that happening on their television right yep. so you could sort of interact with things happening in real time in front of your television with whoever was around you and you could see this like going down that wasn't possible you know in like the boomer generation so much you know what i mean right. you didn't have like that access to something happening in that like immediate realm that quick at, you know occurring while you're watching it and you know you're beholding this just like everyone else is in the world and you're not getting a news relay or report of what happened like you're watching it go down so if it starts there i mean we've just gone up and up and up and up since that to the point where we're at now where we have we're so privy to so much information um we have everything at our fingertips you know we can follow or stream anything um news is not like nearly as mysterious as it once was because it's just so we're so inundated with it all of the time and we have constant access to everything. Um, so yeah, there's, there's a collision happening there. I think in like, in terms of the events that are going down and then the access to the information surrounding those events that we can possess. And like all of those things, the events getting a little bit more frenzied and chaotic and then our knowledge and understanding of them getting, um, you know, bigger and, and, and more robust. Um, it's going to create some weird, some, some, some weird shit. You know what I mean? Um, right. It's it's going to create a strange generation, which is yeah. what we got. You know. And yeah. Like, yeah. Nine nine eleven, of course. That that was that was just. Uh, that was the worst thing I've was, ever seen in my life. And. Yeah, I mean, I think we'll be yeah. we'd be unless the, you know we get unless we get like a live stream of like nuclear war happening or. Um, you know, I didn't I intend. Mean, who knows? I didn't intend the conversation to go this way, but fuck it. Oh, um, this is where time. where were you when that happened? Yeah, I mean, I'm all about this stuff. Um, I was, um, I was in Topsfield of all places, and I was working for my dad at the time, and he had an office over there, and I was at the office working. This was, uh, yeah, my first year right out of college, so September. 2001 I was that was uh, I had graduated in May so yep. my first job was working for him and uh yeah he just uh, I was sitting at the desk and he called me up and from his office and was like yep get on in here and I was like what's going on and we were listening to the radio and he was like yeah works off so I remember driving back to my apartment that I lived at in Salem at the time and I was actually listening to Howard Stern remember the Howard Stern show of course um, Robin yeah yeah and yeah. I was I listened to to them of course and when you have something like that's when it really like hit me that something you know it was going to be of this magnitude because you have mr shock jock howard stern is always talking about like you know the most absurd dumb shit ever right um and doing it really well i was a big howard oh, he, stern fan. he's a legend one of the best um, ever but when you have someone like howard stern just sort of 
pull back get serious very serious atmosphere i was like all right like this is what the fuck yeah and then i got i got home at like i don't know 10 30 or something and then you turn on the television and it was like what the actual fuck um and yeah it was just total total disbelief and uh just just shock i mean i never experienced uh collective shock uh like that i think Cer- certainly nothing on that level prior to it um yeah i yeah. still can't wrap my head around it to be honest with you um yeah uh, you know we'll think about it this way like and it's tough and i i, I don't want, i guess there's there's always two it uh froze up i hope you can hear me no i i mean i was just saying like and it's it's not an attempt to take away from the horror of 911 at all um but think about the middle east and you think about the things that you know our government has perpetrated over there like for example um i think i, I don't know I mean, maybe a couple of years ago i was reading a story oh no it was actually under the obama administration i, I remember reading a story about a, a drone strike that we carried out on a wedding um and granted it was like an accident okay but, yeah but People lost their fucking lives. They're people just like we were talking about before. No matter where you go, sorry to cut you off. No matter where you go, whether it's in your job or or anywhere in the fucking world, man, people are people like you and me. Imagine getting fucking married. Imagine getting married. Eh, This is the best day of my life. Oh, I'm dead. You know, like seriously, right? Is that what you're trying to say? Well, uh, well, a little bit. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) sorry. I hate. I don't like war. I hate war. No, totally. But just like. Yeah, a hundred people died because of a missile that, you know, the United States shot into a wedding party. And if that was broadcast on television the way 9-11 was broadcast, nobody would forget that day either. And nobody would forget where they were when they watched that happen. And the scale of human misery and suffering would just be so unbelievably fucked up watching that, that you would kind of have, people would have a similar reaction if they had to to 9-11, for example. It's innocent lives um being taken away because of some sort sort of political or moral ideology uh being you know uh, above all of that um, i couldn't agree yeah, more it's not, to, it's not to take anything away from either of those things it's just like um war yeah, war should only, like how is well, war legal i i'll never understand that i don't know I, I just don't get it how is it legal but I mean, I understand, like, you know, if you got a guy like Hitler or Stalin, you know, something like that, those people need to be stopped. Yeah. But I just, uh, you know, I just want everybody to get along. <laughs> you yeah, know yeah. I mean? I oh, know. of course. Uh, wouldn't, wouldn't it be great? You know what I mean? Yeah, we're a, we're a very, we're a very uh, confusing, complicated species. That's that's for sure. And but we're the worst. And the best. Uh, yeah, who knows what we are at this point. Um, what were you saying, though? Uh, tough to say. No, I, I, that, that was pretty much, yeah. I was just trying to, um, yeah, certainly not take anything away from something like 9-11, but I'm just, I'm always trying to think of, like, the counterfactual, I guess, in some moments. And, like, um, yeah, yeah. I, I Definitely the fact that, I guess what I was saying earlier in terms of, like, um, the way that we're so inundated with media now and that we can follow things happening in real time so so precisely um, with so much, yeah, so much like journalistic and media precision. Um, it's really, it's really kind of, it's kind of crazy. So 
So the fact that we're inundated with so much information that we can watch things play out in real time, that we are privy to things happening in a way where we're much more intimately acquainted with, uh, you know, the news cycle and news events now than people were in like the boomer generation, I think, which is why we started going down this rabbit hole. Um, yep. Yeah, right. it, it just makes it, it makes for it, it makes for a, a further complication of the human condition and the human experiment, you know, which is just an ongoing. Um, so you could see it as an ongoing continual horror show. Uh, you could see it as a. Um, a. Uh, uh, constant steps forward uh, towards some kind of you know, further evolution and further understanding. Uh, I, I really don't know. You know, it's going to be in it. at the end of the day, the sun's just going to burn out the earth anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Aliens, no bro. Gonna, Aliens. Yeah, no one's gonna, no one's going to remember any of this. That's and right. It doesn't will. matter. You know, if you, uh, right, yeah. not to get too heavy, but we're, we're there, you know, if, uh, right here, like this is just a visual. You take my hands, right? If the earth started here, and we're here humans are only like here like we're nothing we're nothing yeah, yeah like yeah. two i, I mean I, there I, were dinosaurs yeah. and shit dude <laughs> you know what i mean yeah it's like if, <laughs> if, the, if the entirety of life on earth was represented as like a, a 12 hour or a 24 hour clock um yeah human the human species takes up the last like six or seven seconds or something there you go. That's what you just said that way better than me. That's what I was trying to say. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's something like that. We're nothing. Yeah. We're nothing. It's a blip, but we've certainly found a way to commandeer a lot of, we, we've found a way to um, sponge up as much of the possible bandwidth of the planet as we can. So it's, it's a very, it's very interesting time to, to be here. Um, now that said, I mean, it's certain you couldn't ask for a better time. Yeah, I agree. Humanity to be alive. I mean, I feel like you. Yeah, Matt. Like, if like, uh, silly but relevant example. Um, you know, I I had appendicitis. I had to get my appendix out like uh, in two thousand five. If that was two hundred years ago, I would I I would have been dead at age nineteen, right? Right. So that's exactly what I'm referring to. Yeah, straight up, man. Yeah, I'd be dead. So right now, I'm in overtime, and uh, yeah, I've we were definitely born at the perfect time and you know but the world is continuing to evolve and uh i don't know yeah it is very much man it's it's just fucking wild and and here we are talking we're both in new hampshire right now talking <laughs> but but you could be in antarctica and i could be in the north pole and we could be talking on the yeah. same call which is unbelievable yeah. Yeah, um it truly is we haven't talked about your band much dude that's all right <laughs> dude well we gotta we gotta oh. cover it a little bit i mean caspian oh, yeah, is no, legendary I, mean, I do have some oh, questions yeah. like um first of all again you know i'll plug the shit out of this but caspian is i mean you guys are unbelievably talented and it's very rare that you have a band who just plays music. I know you have a couple songs with vocals, but generally speaking, you don't have any vocals, correct? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, I would say we've probably released, we've probably officially released at this point. Um, I don't know how many exactly, but somewhere around, 
60 songs maybe and uh two of them have like very direct uh, three of them have very like discernible direct vocals and one has sort of atmospheric textural uh vocals and one has like just some screaming and shouting so so out out of like the 60 yeah it's a very very small swath and for a band to do the amount of touring that you do um, and be as successful as you have been without any vocals, like, and you've been in ex- existence for what, at least 15 years you formed in 05. Is that right? Oh, four. Yeah. Yeah. So like, I guess what I'm trying to ask is how did, how and when did you consciously make the decision as a band to just, you know what? We don't need a singer. We're just going to go up and we're just going to fucking shred. And whatever happens, happens, and we'll see what happens. Can you talk yeah. about that? Sure, yeah. Um, I mean, we had every intention of having a vocalist when we started the band. We were all listening to instrumental, you know, post-rock at the time, bands like Mogwai and Godspeed Black Emperor and Explosions in the Sky and stuff. And nice. um, we love bands like that. And we were, we were finding that we could communicate what we wanted to do musically, but we wanted to have a singer. Uh, but our first show, uh, we just didn't have one. Um, like we just hadn't come together yet. So we played the show anyway, instrumental. And we just sort of committed to it for that gig and realized that, oh yeah, we can do this. We, we can get across what we want to get across emotionally uh, without a singer. And let's just, let's explore this. Let's do it. We all felt comfortable with it. And we didn't really think twice about it after that. It wasn't like, well, this might not be as uh, commercially appealing without a singer or we might know we just said we, we were just weren't in that headspace at all we were just totally into what we were doing and it felt like really exciting like fertile territory to just like um just to start doing something that felt like us and was like a, a legitimate form of our own self-expression and yeah it, we, we I mean, we love all the bands that we love i mean have vocalists i mean we love vocal music um that's our shit but we just didn't feel like we needed it to get across what we wanted to get across, you know? Yeah. I love that, man. And, uh, and that's a, you know, that's a risk and it just shows you just did what you wanted to fucking do. And you knew that your music was going to just speak for itself. If that makes sense. Right. That, That was the hope. Yeah. That was the hope. Um, and music is such a, like rock music is, is obviously a relatively young thing. It's been around since the fifties. But music in general, I mean, shit, man, like music has been around since the dawn of of humankind, more or less. So while we weren't doing something that was traditionally rock and roll and that we were issuing a singer, we did feel like we were partaking in like the bigger, grander picture of what music has has been for thousands and thousands of years, you know? so I guess we didn't really feel like all that lonely when it came down to it. We felt like what we were doing was was musical enough to be something that really just, um, well, it felt honest and it felt true, you know, and that that's really all that kind of matters at the end of the day. So, yeah, yeah. I've really never heard any music like your band, to be honest. I haven't. Cool, man. Um, uh, right on. But I, 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 again, it's fun to ask about these things. So take, uh, for example, so you you've toured or opened for under oath yeah yeah and i love under oath they're that's like in my wheelhouse you know like uh the oh sc- dude yeah they're they're fucking killer dude they're like i love that shit uh, amazing yeah. yeah so all right so 
take take uh, under oath shows. You guys are touring with them. Did yeah. you ever have? You must have had people come up and be like, "Why don't you guys sing?" Like, do people like? Oh, come of up? course. Yeah. Oh, so absolutely. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. You like shut up. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean it's like on under oath. I, I, yeah, it would be like. I mean, we 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 were really well received on that tour, which was awesome. They have really open-minded fans, and I think one of the reasons why a band like Underoath, you know, wanted a band like us to do that tour is because there's not really a lot of competition. It's not like the opening band blew the headlining band out of the water or any of that bullshit because we're so different that there's no like there, there's no comparison really. So it's like we get to do our thing, and then hopefully you know get the um wheels turning and get people like you know our goal at a show like that it's like look everyone's been at war everyone in the crowd they've been at work all day they've been doing whatever now you're at a fucking show now like here we are we're gonna blast like the concrete off of you and like shake you all that off of you and like get the dust off of your day so now and now you can hopefully like enjoy under oath like a little bit more because like we've sort of done our best to get you out of the real world into the other you know concert world that we're in right now and now like enjoy this and there's like an element of that but of course there's yeah there's always someone who's like why don't you have a singer or whatever right. it's like well, you know <laughs> we just we'll leave we'll leave the singing to them you know what i mean and they're about to do it really fucking well so we don't, yeah we don't really like i don't know man we don't have any like hatred for people that we love vocal music we love instrumental music we love it all and like there's going to be some stubborn people out there for sure but like that never 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 really bothers us at all because usually it's only like two percent of the audience everyone else is just sort of like they really really dig it or they're like yeah this is cool or they're just like yeah that's fine and that's that's all good you know what i mean we don't really get a lot of antagonism for that you know what i love about your music is like you're um, I mean, every song is like its own journey and it, it's not something I would put on like a Bluetooth speaker. If I'm listening to Caspian, I want my headphones in and I'm going to a new place. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And I just yeah. want to take that ride. You got to take the ride. I love that. That's great, dude. Yeah. <laughs> it's seriously. Yeah, dude. Buy the, buy the ticket, punch the ticket, take the ride. <laughs> ticket to ride, man. Um, yeah. All right, man. Well, dude, Philip, thank you. Uh, I, I look forward to the day when uh, we can go to the fucking Lucky Dog and throw darts again, man. Same, man. I, I eagerly await that. And uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll have a proper a proper night there, dude. That'll be great. I can't wait. That sounds can't perfect. Wait. Thanks, man. Yeah. All right, let's wrap this one up, baby. Come on. Yeah, that's right. You are listening to the two-week notice podcast. Philip Jameson, you are a brilliant human being and a legend. So thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with me. And uh, just what an insightful, smart dude. Really cool. I know I'm going to see you around because we live pretty close to one another. I'll see you at the, the Lucky Dog or on the road or, or hopefully both. Right. 
And uh, hopefully I'll talk to you soon, man. Uh, once again, go find Caspian's music, man. Just go listen to Caspian. They're fucking legendary. And make sure you use your headphones and take it all in. Punch the ticket. Take the ride. I love you all. Boys. Two Ignos Podcast.